Thanks for joining me on episode 1162 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm James Pyle. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to master self-awareness and transcend your limits are keys. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. It sometimes makes us think that our calling is too small. Our calling doesn't bring enough attention to me. Our calling isn't special enough to be a good calling. And yet, if at the end of the day, you're doing what God has called you to do, that's always enough. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's Spiritual Foundation episode about investing in others, I talk with you about 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-14. through 14. I share with you how we can focus on ourselves when doing our work, and I also talk about how instead we can recognize that this is God's work. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-14 through 14 goes like this. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. And he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a message to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not... Abana and Fafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? 
How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Now, this is one of those stories of the prophet and this interaction that he has that it's illustrative of what we do sometimes when we're put in positions of leadership. If you look at the news and things that are going on, I think we would all agree that there's a lot of examples of leaders or people in authority who seem to set themselves up on a pedestal and take themselves too seriously. And yet, leaders are people just like us. They suffer, they have joys, they celebrate, they mourn, they cry, they laugh, they make mistakes. They do all of those things that all of us do. And yet, in some ways, often they are getting set apart in some way as well. They're able to access things that maybe the, quote, everyday person can't. Often, for instance, if they're suffering from illness, they get access to some of the best medical care in the planet. They get access to medicines and doctors that maybe most of us don't get access to. And yet, sometimes when that leader gets a condition, it's something that's just not curable. It's something that even access to the best doctors on the planet can't cure. That's the story here. See, leprosy is not something that is curable by the medicine of that time in Israel. There, there wasn't really a treatment for it. There wasn't anything that you could do that would make it better. And this little girl, this servant of the wife, says, oh, all you got to do is go to the prophet over back home in, in Israel, and he can cure you. Now, think about what happens next. Naaman goes to his king and says, hey, help me get an audience with this person in Israel that can cure me. And they immediately send a letter to the other king, to the king in Israel. They don't go to the prophet directly. They go to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel is a little confused. He's like, are they trying to pick a fight? Are they trying to make it where I can't do this thing that they're asking me to do so that they have an excuse to declare war on me? Because I don't know how to cure somebody of leprosy. And Elisha, the prophet that's dwelling in Israel, somehow hears about this. And he says, that's no problem. Just send him to me. I can help him. It's interesting, too. He says, I can help him. It's not going to be him that actually helps him. He's a prophet of God. It's got to be God that's doing the helping. So the king says, oh, good. This is a solution. I can at least send him over to Elisha and... Maybe he can help him, maybe not, but it's, it's at least moving the problem. It's kicking the can down the road, so to speak. So Naaman goes to the prophet's house expecting this great reception, expecting a lot of pomp and circumstance, expecting the prophet to come out and say, oh, you're a great warrior. You're this wonderful person here. Let me do magic and cure you. Let me make a performance out of it. And instead, the prophet doesn't even come out of the house. He just says, go down to the river, wash seven times. By the way, the Jordan 
If you go look up pictures of the Jordan River, it's basically a muddy creek. It's a very not huge body of water, and it's very muddy and dirty. It is not where you would want to go to walk. And this comes across as an insult. Naaman's like, wait a minute. I can't do this. This is stupid. The rivers back home are better than this river. If that, if washing in the river would cure me, I could have done that and never even come here to Israel. I would have been cured at home. So this is stupid. And he's going to go home angry. But at this point, the servants step forward and say, if he'd asked you to do something hard, climb a mountain or do something difficult, you probably would have done it. You would have managed to do it. You're a great warrior. You would have found a way to do it. But all he did was ask you to wash in the river, something relatively easy to do, and you're throwing a hissy fit about it. This may seem funny, but if you think about it as a great leader of his country, this probably felt somewhat beneath him. And yet he brings himself to do it, and in fact, he is cured. But think about this. The prophet here, quote, did his work without ever leaving his house. And that's because it's really not the prophet's work at all. This was God's work. God put that little girl in the right place to deliver the message that, hey, you can go to Israel and get cured. God actually allowed Elijah to hear about what happened. He could send a message to the king of Israel and step in. God probably told Elijah what he should do. All of this is left out of the story, and yet it's clear that this is what's going on. Elijah didn't need to be in the spotlight. He didn't need to step out and show a lot of pomp and circumstance and magic. He just needed to deliver the message of God. And at the end of the day, there was all of this pomp and circumstance and material goods that were sent from king to king, from leader to leader, and yet at the end of the day, it was the simple act of submitting to the message of God and washing in the water that brought the cure. And I think a lot of times that kind of happens to us sometimes. We're looking for our work that God is calling us to do, to be full of pomp and circumstance, to be exciting, to be something that we all get to do and that's powerful, something that brings a lot of attention to us, something that looks good, sounds good, and puts us in a place of honor. And yet a lot of God's work is done in the margins. It's done in the quiet. It's done on the side. It's done without a lot of attention. Especially when you're put in a position of leadership, it's easy to think to yourself, when I want to help others, I need to do it in a big, flashy way. I need to have the neatest way to do it. I need to impact the most people. I talk to people on my podcast all the time that have a, a goal of helping a million or a billion or a trillion or whatever number of people. And the thing about it is all of those are good goals. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing. But at the same time, it sometimes makes us think that our calling is too small. Our calling doesn't bring enough attention to me. Our calling isn't special enough to be a good calling. And yet, if at the end of the day, you're doing 
what God has called you to do, that's always enough. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor. Go over to facebook.com slash inspired stewardship and like our Facebook page and mark it that you'd like to get notifications from us so that we can connect with you on Facebook and make sure that we're serving you to the best of our abilities with time and tips there. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures. Develop your influence and impact the world.